Hello and welcome to the Oregonian Sports Podcast. Big, big week. Oregon and Oregon State coming up on Friday after the turkey on Thursday. This is Bill Orem, Oregonian sports columnist, joined by Nick Daschle, our Oregon State beat writer. Nick, um, I, I just have to start with the obvious, which is, were you able to stay dry on Saturday during the Oregon State-Washington game that was so completely epic amid such a torrential downpour? Dry and toasty half? in the press box. It was, it was delightful up there. Didn't look too delightful on the field, though. By the way, by the way, well, I don't know what it, it looked like on TV, but uh, that turf has got to go. It's got if it if it's not if if not yeah, next year, pretty that. soon. It didn't look good at all on TV. I don't at least from no, it didn't look good from where I was standing. I don't I don't know what it looked like on TV, but yeah, you think the Sun Belt money is going to be replacing the turf? Wow, what a shot! Um, I will agree with you that. <laughs> I will agree with you on TV. It looked just, it looked like um, if you've ever, if you've ever had a, a carpet in a room that flooded, it just looked, you know, one step short of soggy water. But like, if you were walking on it on sneakers, your feet would stick and it would just kind of be suctiony. Um, I, I did wonder how that impacted the the, the, the the game. And you're actually the first person I've heard mention the actual field conditions. So I think that's an interesting point. Um, to make but i mean gosh that turf's been there since uh, what year nick 90? i think it's been there since i was going to school no it's it's that, not that long but it's been there a while no i i don't know i don't know that the, the turf affected the game so much i'm just talking about what it looked like i mean when you're on when you're on national tv oh. and you don't get all these shots like oregon state gets you kind of want to have you know present yourself as as best you can i don't know that that looked great but uh uh, it looked, it looked, it looked wet. It looked soggy and wet. I guess I didn't look at it from a standpoint of, oh my gosh, this looks like your grandmother's shag carpet necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, your grandmother probably didn't have shag carpet, but um, yeah, the good but, old wood uh, wood floors, uh, farmhouse. I was gonna say just, yeah, just a farmhouse dirt. outside of uh, Salem. Exactly. <laughs> Is it yeah, still there? I, I think. So. Oh, it was 150 acres. So. Uh, I don't know. I have to, I'd, I'd like to go by there sometime just to see, but I doubt it. it was an old farmhouse where, where we, you know, spent the summers knocking down trees and cutting up wood to eat the house. So it's, it's probably a little modernized since then. Well, you know who else knocks down trees and cuts up wood? That's beavers. And the Oregon State Beavers hosted Washington on Saturday, Nick, as we've alluded to. Uh, final score, 22 to 20. Um, I think we've uh, failed to, in this these first few minutes here, really capture the, the gravity and, and magnitude of what happened. Or I suppose I should say more what almost happened or could have happened. We build it as one of the biggest Oregon State games in history, certainly at Research Stadium um, in the last 25 years, which we'd consider the modern history of Oregon State football since they've you know, gotten back on track in that time. And, uh, you know, I wrote this in my column. I think you've alluded to it in all your coverage. That's about as heartbreaking of a loss, you know, two point loss to the undefeated number five team in the country, uh, setting up, you know, what would have set up, you know, a totally Titanic tilt against, um, against Oregon this Friday. Uh, you know, in, in the end, great game. Oregon State played extremely well, had an opportunity to win the game, had the ball four minutes left driving at midfield and just ran out of, Yes, offense uh, offense sputtered at an inopportune time. 
Um, you've been in Corvallis the last couple of days. How is this team kind of responding to uh, to coming up on the short end of, of, of that well, game? Well, as much as, as, as you can tell just from talking to players and, and coaches, it feels like business as usual. I, I don't get the impression that they're they're down or, you know, the stakes are gone. So, you know, you know they're going to just mail in Friday. No, I mean, they, I got the impression, you know, they're, they're locked in and I, I mean, it, it win this game Friday. It's the biggest win of the Jonathan Smith era. So it doesn't matter if there's, you know, if there's something at stake for them. I mean, that's, that's pretty good stakes right there. I mean, to, to take out the school that, you know, a lot of Oregon state fans don't seem to have a lot of good feelings for these days. I, I think those are, yeah, I, I think that they are, they're locked in on this game. Well, I was going to make the point um, too, that, you know, this kind of makes this game almost about what we kind of thought throughout the year, right? Which is the, the for lack of a better term, big brother, little brother. Dynamic, right versus wrong. You know, um, oh. ch- chance to stick, chance to stick it to the guys that, that kind of stabbed you in the back and in, in the whole realignment thing. You know, we did have a chance with, um, with the stake, with what was happening against Washington, for this to be a game that determined the Pac-12 championship, or, or I should say, would have at least determined if Oregon State had a shot at the Pac-12 championship. Oregon still has to beat the Beavers to get to Las Vegas. Um, so, I mean, to me, it it does feel like, I mean, a pretty high stakes game, you know, because Oregon State has a lot to play for. Obviously, you know, knocking out your rival um, to be the spoiler. That's that's huge. That's a huge opportunity, and I think that the Beavers will be up for that, and and fans will be excited. Uh, I just think this Ducks team is also you know kind of a buzzsaw. But if you thought Oregon, if you thought Oregon State was going to have a chance against the Ducks if they beat Washington, then you have to think Oregon State has a chance against the Ducks, even though they came up just short against Washington. Although there were there were some injuries from that game uh, that that changed in the secondary, yeah. Um, Akili Arnold and Jaden Robinson. We don't know whether they'll play or not Friday. And that that's that's going to make a difference if they do. But <clears throat> even with shoot, even with the guys they had back there, they had they were playing a couple of true freshmen. They still seem to, outside of you know Roma Dunze, every, they see everyone yeah. else seemed to have their guy covered. So I mean, Oregon State played that that game plan laid out a hundred percent what they wanted to do. They just didn't execute as well as they wanted to, but, but how the game played out, that's exactly how they would have wanted to play it. And I mean, it's going to be something similar Friday. I would think um, Oregon does a few things differently than Washington the, or Oregon, you know, Washington wants to go wherever they, wherever they think they can hit big plays. Whereas Oregon is going to lead, Oregon's going to lead with their running game and then, and then get Bo Nix involved from there mm-hmm. Washington is not looking to you know do the same thing but but I, I I can see Oregon State wanting to keep Bo Nix off the field as much as possible because why wouldn't you want to yeah I mean I think the only the only issue there is like you said because of Oregon's running game with um with Bucky Irving and and, and Jordan James and and, and Bo Nix you know they have the ability for those really long sustained drives that will keep Oregon State's offense off the field right. as well and we've seen that you know, many times from Dan Lanning's team where they have these 10, 11 minute epic drives that, you know, that take up an entire quarter more or less themselves. So, I mean, that's something that Oregon state is going to have to, um, you know, is going to have to contend with, but 
you know, as, as, as you go into this game against Oregon, Nick, I mean, is there an area that you think the Beavers have a clear advantage? Because that's the one thing I'll say about, you know, the Ducks, right? Like I felt like last year, or excuse me, last week, you know, you knew Oregon was going to be able to, or Oregon State was going to be able to run the ball against, um, against, against the Huskies. That has been a weakness of that team. You know, you can't say the same of the Ducks, of the Ducks defense. Um, you know, the, the Ducks have, you know, lockdown corners, um, you know, the Ducks have a great offensive line as well. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball too, you'd think. I mean, where do you see the Beavers being able to take advantage of the Ducks in this in this matchup? Yeah, I was asked that question yesterday, and I'm not 100% sure where Oregon State has a clear advantage. I, maybe special teams, I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they're kicking games a little bit better. Maybe their you know, return guys are a little better. That's not really enough to win a game of this magnitude, but it can't hurt. Um, I just don't think I, I, I think the differences between Oregon and Oregon State aren't that great, other than perhaps you know Bo Nix is is going so so well right now that you know DJ's going to have to really step up his game to to even come close to matching what Bo Nix has done is, is doing and probably will do Friday. Um, but the running games, I mean, pretty equal. I mean, shoot, Damian Martinez is a Doak Walker semifinalist, and he's the only one from the Pac-12 that is. So I, I would think, you know, at a minimum, there that's a push. And receiving that, you know, Oregon's got a clear advantage yeah. there. And stopping the run, you know, they're both they're both capable um, in that area. You know, slowing down the passing attacks. I guess Oregon's maybe got a little advantage there, especially with Oregon State's injuries. But, but I mean, you can't. You got to factor in the emotions. What it's going to mean, you know, for Oregon. Is there a little pressure on them? Can they handle this in this situation? Yeah, I don't know. And you know, obviously, the other factor that we haven't talked about yet is. What will Dan and what will Dan and Jonathan do? Because they're both prone to pull some some crazy decisions out of the rear end. Well, and and that's that's a fair one. And I I do I you know I mean I had an idea for Jonathan. Well, I'll, I'll save that for later. But um, I I guess I just feel like I think this game is going to be a little bit closer than people think. You know, Vegas has got it as a as a as a two touchdown margin and and maybe and maybe it is you know you can have a two touchdown game that is is closer than it seems certainly um but i think oregon state's going to be in this game because i think of i think this i think they are good enough to um be able to be coached up above their deficiencies right like i think that i think that they are strong enough top to bottom that they can um you know that they can scheme up to the level of their opponent. And, and, you know, we saw that against Washington. We saw that, you know, I mean, honest, I mean, honestly, Washington is the only one I'd really say, because I mean, they probably should have beaten Washington state and Arizona. Um, but you know, I just don't, I don't see them getting run off the field as good as Oregon is. I think Oregon is, I mean, I've seen Washington a couple times now I've seen, you know, Oregon a bunch of times. I think Oregon is the most complete team in the conference, um, has the most talent in the most places, um, probably should win the PAC 12 championship. But I think, um, you know, I think Oregon State has more of a chance here maybe than Vegas is giving them just because of I think I think they have a coaching advantage almost yeah. every week with Jonathan Smith. And I think that they have, you know, defensively with Trent Bray, they have schemed, you know, exceedingly well for every test. 
I mean, maybe with the exception of Arizona, but even Arizona, they held to 26 points, whatever that was. Um, So, I mean, I I think that, you know, I think that they're going to be ready for this, even on a short week and a, and a really, um, and a really, um, you know, emotional letdown kind of week. Well, I mean, look at, look Um, at, I mean, Oregon's been going pretty well since, since they lost to Washington. I mean, that's fair to say, right? Well, mm-hmm. I, you were at the USC game, and I'm yeah. not saying I saw all of it, but if, if USC doesn't completely blow a couple of tackles on on some of those long touchdown plays, I mean USC was right in that game, weren't they? Yeah, I mean offensively, I mean uh, yes, I mean there was a, I mean there was a chance late for them to make it a one score game with a couple minutes left. You know, they had a two point conversion uh, opportunity, so I mean it was not a runaway. Now. You know, in the first half, I mean, that was a pretty big beatdown. But you know, USC found a way back in. I mean, what I was going to get to. Um, I mean, Oregon State's better than USC. Can we agree? We we agree on that. Well, I mean, mean, so if USC can 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 make Oregon sweat, Oregon State can certainly make Oregon sweat. Um, Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, and Oregon State's had some huge offensive games, so I don't want to like. I don't want to. I don't want to disparage Oregon state's ability to score the ball and, and to put points on the board, but they just don't have the, the explosive um, kind of offense to, to really win a shootout against a team like um, against or like Oregon. We, at least we certainly haven't seen that. And, and, you know, we've heard Jonathan Smith say it. He said it at media day in Las Vegas that you need to have an offense that can do that to win in this conference. And um, you know, that's probably what you could say hurt them against in the, in the loss at Washington state. Um, uh, you know, they didn't get points kind of when they needed them until that fourth quarter, when they really started trying to come back from behind against some really soft coverage. Um, but you know, that's probably the difference between Oregon state and USC, but I do think, you know, Oregon state, if you give them a chance to you know, keep it, keep it within a manageable margin, they're going to stick to their strengths and they're going to find a way to stay. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to push back a little bit on you as far as Oregon state now, don't have the firepower to make big plays. They, it plays of 20 yards or longer this season. Oregon state has more than Oregon or Oregon state is third in the conference in that, on that, in that stat. They, they've, they've made 67 plays of 20 yards or more. Hmm. Now, whether you could argue whether that's an explosive play, I don't know, but you know, if we, but, but, but they're capable for sure because Silas Bolden has got hmm. tons of speed. Anthony Gould's got tons of speed and we've seen, Damian Martinez, when he gets loose, he may not look fast, but he should, he seems to run away from guys. So I think Oregon state's got, they're capable of, of making, making explosive plays. Now, do they have some of that breakaway speed? We saw the USC game from, you know, Oregon, maybe not. I don't know, but I, I wouldn't under, I wouldn't, I wouldn't under sell Oregon state's ability to make a big play. I think that that they're capable there. They're maybe not at USC Oregon level, but they're capable of 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 something a little bit less than that. Nick, how are we looking at this from a um, history standpoint? You know, I know I know we can't necessarily say this is the last one. It sounds like there's some good faith efforts on both sides to to continue the series and the rivalry. Um, you followed this series your entire life. I followed it my entire life. Um, you know, most of our listeners probably have as well. And I guess there is just a, 
I have a feeling of sadness because as much as people will say, well, if the series continue, like the series can continue and that's better than not, in my opinion, you know, play the game in September, you know, keep it as a home and home, you know, but it's still not going to be what it's been, you know, for 127 years, which is this end of year grudge match, sometimes with something on the line, sometimes not, you know, over the last 20 years, there's been plenty of times where it's been, you know, Oregon trying to get to a Rose Bowl or something like that. And the last test is, is going to be Oregon state. That's what we have again this week. Um, it's just always been the capstone to, um, to football in the fall. And for a lot of years, especially for a lot of your lifetime, less of mine, um, it was, you know, neither team was going, you know, to go to the postseason. It was just for pride. It was for, it was for bragging rights in the state. And I heard Jonathan say that, you know, in his press conference yesterday that, you know, Hey, you win this game, you've got bragging rights in the state for the, the whole year. And, and, you know, there's been more on the line than just that, especially for the ducks over the last couple of decades. Um, I have a, re- I have a real sense of uh, loss going into this game. And I'm just wondering how you think Oregon state fans should be looking at it. Um, knowing that the series I would even say is likely to continue in some form. I don't know that I believe it's going to be every single year starting next year. And it's going to continue uninterrupted into perpetuity. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be some years lost. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I've been pretty, I've been pretty open about what I, what I think, what I think about this, this whole situation. I, I mean, I wrote this the other day. Shame on Oregon. Shame on Oregon. They've they've totally lost their their perspective on college athletics when it comes to this. This has got to matter. It can't all be about power and money and and natties or whatever else you want to call it. It's got to also be about what the people in your region and your state want. This game is way too important to 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 just go. Well, let's see if we can move Boise State, or let's see if no, it's got to be. Damn it, this game is going to happen, and we're going to make it happen because it's too important. And I don't believe Oregon has has done that to that degree. I think they they to this point they've paid a little lip service to it, and I think they'd like to see it happen. But I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a move in heaven and earth to make this game happen. And that's just what I believe. I just believe that this is a game that needs to be played every year. And it's got to be bigger than it's got to be bigger than this big 10 and whatever else Oregon, you know, wants to become. Can you articulate why? Like I, 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 cause like to me, it's just, it's, 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 can you articulate why it's so important? Well, I mean, college athletics cannot be pro sports. I, I'm sorry. It just can't. It, it's got to be, it's got to be about the people. It's, it's, you know, I'm not saying my, but people will go, my grandpa, my, my grandfather's grandfather, we're part of this, we're a part of this thing. And the reason we're giving it up is because we need more money. That just that's okay in the NFL. It's not okay in college sports to me. There's got to be a reason why these programs still exist in college sports. It can't just be about money. It just can't. I, I mean, God, people 
people build their years around this sometimes just for this one this one weekend this one day where all they talk about is this one game and now it's in jeopardy and frankly it'll never be the same but but i mean the fact that it's still a question just boggles my mind it's it's something that means a lot to too many people in this state to just rip it away yeah i think that's i think that's most i think that's mostly really well said and i i concur that there hasn't been that sense of urgency from oregon and i understand that oregon probably doesn't want to overpromise in this situation and you know you know in my conversations with people in eugene you know they're they're very they're very you know cautious because you know they have more to move they have more mountains to move to be able to pull it off than than, than washington did with the with the apple cup washington had open dates on its schedule because of um you know, existing non-conference games against Big Ten schools. I mean, they had just they just had they had, it was easier for them just to slot slot the Cougs. So if it was once it was just a, as a, only a values judgment, uh, Washington was was happy to put the Cougars back on the schedule. Um, Oregon would would contend that they have more uh, more hurdles. My my pushback on that would be it just can't matter. Whatever whatever hurdles you have, I mean, you are the you are. You have you have the you have more resources and alumni backing than almost any school in the country. Um, if there is if it is if it's a priority, then it has to happen. And I and I I have heard a lot of you know we'd like to you know it's something we'd like to have happen, um, but it's not a you know it's not a condition of moving forward. And I just, I feel like it should just be. Well, it's, it, it be feels like to Oregon. Well, if it's convenient, we'll make it happen. And, and, you know, the Oregon, I'm not an Oregon state people. I, I get that some of their fans don't want to play Oregon either, but I believe that's the, that's the minority. I believe Oregon state needs to have this game happen. They're going to have trouble getting power five schools to come to Corvallis. They just will. It's, it's a fact. And. Well, and I think, and I think that's a, I think that's a very short-sighted view, right? That's a very emotional response to, um, to, you know, what's happened. And it's not rational, and it's and, and, no. and, and sports aren't rational, and that's okay. But I I think you know to say oh we don't want to play them anymore, no that's wrong because it's bigger it's bigger than this moment you know it's bigger than this one this moment and this one um, you know this title shift it's you know it's about continuing something that has existed since you know but that's I mean but that's the that that's that's the minority of Oregon State I think most people that are Oregon State fans put them up against the wall. They say, yes, we want to play Oregon. We want to play them home and home. You know, we want to be in Corvallis every other year. I mean, look at your, look at, I mean, just look at your childhood. I'm well, no, you were not a Grizz fan when you were growing up. You were what? One of those two schools were one. I mean, yeah, my brother and I used to play Oregon versus Oregon state in the driveway. I mean, all the time just you know it was and that's what all the kids did i don't know if they do it now but they did you know we did back back in the day and even back in your day and oh my god i mean gosh absolutely you play as ducks and beavers on the field um you know i had a little bit of a house divided i have two sisters who went to u of o my mom was in the oregon state marching band so i mean it's you know it's you know it's in the family right and um you know i remember I mean, gosh, I mean, I was in an agricultural part of the state, right? So a little bit of a, a farming community. So, you know, a lot of beaver fans, but then there were the duck. It's it just, you know, 
if you were a Beaver fan, Duck fans thought that you, that was disgusting and, and vice versa. I mean, it, it just it's there's a lot level of passion to it that I think kind of defines defines us as Oregonians. And I think that that will go away once I, I, maybe it's already started to go away. I, I, I think, you know, as as you start signaling that it is less important with how you treat it, it'll become less um, foundational to being from here. And well, right. No, I, it's, it's impossible it is, for this that, game to be as meaningful as it was as, as a conference game, but they owe it to try to see what they can make of this thing. Now, five, oh, good. 10 years from now, down. you know, if it feels like it's lost a lot of its luster, Maybe my maybe my tune changes on this, but for now, they got to try. They got to try to keep keep this thing going and see where they can take it. Yeah, I would certainly agree, uh, Nick. Uh, I've asked you this every week as we look ahead. Um, now that we know the Beavers are eight and three, they're either going to be uh, eight and four or they're going to be nine and three. What's the difference between eight and four and nine and three in terms of bowl slotting? I've seen a lot of projections that have the Beavers playing in the Holiday Bowl, um, which they've never been to. If they beat the Ducks, do they sneak up into the Alamo Bowl? Is that how that would work? If Because then Arizona would likely get thumped by Washington in the Pac-12 title game. Um, or not, uh, given the way Arizona's been playing and the way Washington's been playing. But would if Washington goes to the CFP, does Oregon still get a New Year's, New Year's Six Bowl? Or does Arizona... How does how, how do you see well, that playing as, out Oregon State beats the Ducks? As Oregon Live readers know, because they read everything I write, of course, and and <laughs> I wrote about this Sunday, and I'm and I wrote I, I kind of laid out where where this where this thing stands. Let's just say Oregon State loses Friday. I mean, that's where the that's that that's the, that's where mm-hmm. the odds are. They'll be eight and four. The likelihood is Oregon State's going to finish in a four way tie with Utah, UCLA, and USC. At, at five and four. Uh, I mean, if you, if you think UCLA is going to be Cal and, and uh, Utah is going to be Colorado. So at that point, Arizona is going, Arizona, as long as they don't lose. um, And even if they do lose, they're still going the Alamo bowl. I think Um, there's a, there's a small chance they could maybe move up high enough to get, get an NY six bowl, but I don't think that's going to happen. So let's just say Arizona is going to the Alamo bowl. That, no one else can get there. Then it comes down to the then then there's four teams in line for the next four bowls. First up is Vegas. They're, Oregon State's not going to the Vegas Bowl. They they were just there last year. I think Vegas is going to take UCLA. Yeah. Next one would be the Holiday Bowl. Um, that's a Utah USC Oregon State discussion. I don't know. I mean, if USC if you told me they had Caleb Williams, I'd say. They probably would go. They probably would go. Easy they choice. probably would go with USC. But does anybody believe Caleb Williams is going to be playing in the bowl game? I, I, I don't. I don't believe he will be. So then it comes down to Oregon State and Utah. Who do they want? Utah played there in 2017. Oregon State's never been there. Oregon State beat Utah. I think there's a pretty good chance Oregon State lands in the Holiday Bowl. But if they don't, if they don't go there, then I would say. Th- the Sun Bowl is it's either the holiday or sun for Oregon State. And I think there's a better chance of the holiday bowl than the Sun Bowl. Now they can lock up the holiday bowl if they beat Oregon on on Friday. 
and but even more important, they still have a shot at ten wins if they win Friday, and that's never happened in Oregon State mm-hmm. history back to back ten win seasons. So there's that. Yeah. All right. Well, Nick, I appreciate you as always. Um, by the way, I have waited a long time in this episode to to say this. I usually lead with it, but I, I'm giving our listeners a bit of a rest. But if you are not yet subscribed to our new texting service, our ongoing daily updates from across the sports spectrum, you really should check it out. That is a texting service where you're going to get up, updates directly to your phone from myself, Nick Dashle on the Beavers, James Creppy on the Ducks, Nick Strang on high school sports. It is state championship season. And uh, all of us here at the Oregonian Oregon Live. It's really simple. Just shoot a text to 503-386-0095. Use the word join. 503-386-0095. Say join. You're going to link back, and it's going to direct you to sign up for two free weeks of our service. After that, it's $3.99 a month. Um, which is a really manageable rate for the level of insight you're getting from all of our insiders here at the Oregonian and Oregon Live. You get uh, you get breaking news, you get uh, reports directly from the sideline, and uh, pithy observations from myself. Um, folks seem to be enjoying it, and we think you would as well. So again, that number is 503-386-0095. Text the word JOIN. Nick, I'm really looking forward to seeing you on Friday, but only because it means we're going to be at um this game that we know means so much to uh people in in the state the people who read the Oregonian and Oregon Live and it's certainly a uh a dividing line in state history and you know this will be this is the last Oregon Oregon State game as conference rivals um as something that means what it has meant for 120 plus years and uh, I feel like we're going to be witnesses to history. Regardless Bill, of what since happens. you'll be driving, lay off the turkey on uh, on Thursday, so you're so you're good and alert to drive down while I'm sleeping on the in the driver's in the passenger seat. I'm, trying, I'm working on something here. It's like it's not a tripometer; it's a tryptophanometer. Yeah. <laughs> tryptophanometer. Yes. All right. Okay, Nick. Well, I appreciate you, and we will talk soon, uh, probably next week, once things have shaken out a little bit on the um, on the on the on the conference title race front. And we'll certainly know more about um, Oregon State, its future. One thing we did not get into, but is certainly something to monitor. And Nick's going to be all over this week. Is um, any updates to the ongoing uh, legal battle involving Oregon State, Washington State, and the Pac-12? Uh, the transfer portal opening up in another week and the um, and the uh, the future of Oregon State's football schedule, hopefully getting some updates there as the Beavers are entering the time of year when they're or time of year, a point in their history where they really need to shore up some stability to um, keep players from leaving. We didn't even talk about Jonathan Smith, um, certainly, you know, seen as some schools circling him. So there is a lot uh, to monitor for the Beavers uh, up to this Friday, but certainly beyond. So for Nick Daschle, I am Bill Orem. Thank you so much for listening to the Oregonian Sports Podcast. We enjoy doing this for you. Love hearing your, your feedback. You know, leave us a review, positive rating wherever you get your podcast. Uh, but uh, this was a lot of fun, Nick. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll talk soon.